The Little Flowers of St. Francis, Chapter 15 How St. Clair Ate with St. Francis and His Companions at Santa Maria degli Angeli When St. Francis resided at Assisi, he often visited St. Clair, giving her holy counsel, and she, having a great desire to eat once with him, often begged him to grant her this request, but the saint refused to allow her this consolation. Her companions, being aware of the refusal of St. Francis, and knowing how great was the wish of Saint of Sister Clare to eat with him, went to seek him, and thus addressed him. Father, it seems to us that the severity on thy part is not granting so small a thing to Sister Clare, a virgin so holy and so dear to God, who merely asked for once to eat with thee, is not according to holy charity especially if we consider that it was at thy preaching that she abandoned the riches and pomps of this world. In truth, if she were to ask of thee a greater grace than this one, thou shouldest grant it to thy spiritual daughter. St. Francis answered, It seems to you, then, that I ought to grant her this request. Yes, Father, it is meet that thou grant her this favor and consolation. St. Francis answered, as you think so, let it be so, then. But in order that she may be the more consoled, I wish the meal to take place in front of Santa Maria degli Angeli, because, having been for a long time shut up in San Damiano, it will do her good to visit Santa Maria degli Angeli, where she took the veil, and where she was made a spouse of Christ. We will then eat there together in the name of God, the day's appointment having arrived, St. Clair left her convent with great joy, taking with her one of her sisters and followed by the companions of St. Francis. She arrived at Santa Maria degli Angeli, and having devoutly saluted the Virgin Mary, before whose altar her hair had been cut off, and where she had received the veil, they conducted her to the convent and showed her all over it. In the meantime, St. Francis prepared their meal on the bare ground, as was his custom. The hour of dinner being arrived, St. Francis and St. Clair, with one of the brothers of St. Francis and the sisters who had accompanied the saint, sat down together. All the other companions of St. Francis were humbly seated round them. When the first dish was served, St. Francis began to speak of God so sweetly, so sublimely, and in so wonderful a manner that the grace of God visited them abundantly, and all were ravished in Christ. While they were thus ravished, with their eyes and hearts raised to heaven, the people of Assisi, and of Betona, and of all the country round about, saw Santa Maria degli Angeli as it were on fire. It seemed to them as if the church, the convent, and the woods were all enveloped in flames, and the inhabitants of Assisi hastened with great speed to put out the fire. On arriving at the convent, they found no fire, and entering within the gates, they saw St. Francis, St. Clair, with all their companions sitting round their humble table, but absorbed in contemplation, and they then knew of a certainty that what they had seen was a celestial, not a material fire, which God had miraculously sent to bear witness to the divine flame of love, which consumed the souls of these holy monks and nuns, and they returned home with great consolation in their hearts, and much holy edification. 
After a long lapse of time, St. Francis, St. Clair, and their companions came back to themselves, and being fully restored by the spiritual food, cared not to eat that which had been prepared for them. So that, the holy meal being finished, St. Clair, well accompanied, returned to San Damiano, where the sisters received her with great joy, as they had feared that St. Francis might have sent her to rule the other convents, as he had already sent St. Agnes, the sister of the saint, to be abbess of the convent of Monticelli at Florence. For St. Francis had often said, Be ready in case I should send thee to some other convent. And she, like a daughter of holy obedience, had answered, Father, I am always ready to go whithersoever thou shalt send me. For which reason the sisters greatly rejoiced when she returned to them, and St. Clair was from that time much consoled. Chapter 16 How St. Francis, having been told by St. Clair and the Holy Brother Sylvester that he should preach and convert many to the faith, founded the third order, preached to the birds, and reduced to silence the swallows. The humble servant of Christ, St. Francis, a short time after his conversion, having already assembled and received into the order many brothers, was much troubled and perplexed in mind as to what he was to do, whether to give himself entirely to prayer, or now and then to preach the word, through great humility he had no opinion of his self or the virtue of his prayers and wishing to know the will of god he thought to seek it through the prayers of others therefore he called to him brother maceo and thus addressed him go to sister claire and tell her from me to set herself to prayer with some of the holiest of her sisters and ask the lord to show me clearly whether he wills that i should preach or only to keep prayer. Then go to Brother Sylvester and ask of him the same favor. Brother Sylvester had been in the world, and was the same who had seen in a vision a golden cross come out of St. Francis's mouth and reach up to heaven and to the farthest extremities of the world. Brother Sylvester was so holy, and whatever he asked of God was granted to him in prayer and very often he held conversation with the Lord, so that St. Francis revered him greatly. Brother Maceo did as St. Francis had commanded him. He carried the message first to St. Clair, and then to Brother Sylvester, who set about praying immediately, and having received the answer from the Lord, returned to Brother Maceo, and said to him, The Lord commands thee to go and tell Brother Francis, that he has not called him to this state merely to save his own soul, but that he may produce fruit in those of others, and that many through him should be saved. Having received this answer, Brother Maceo returned to Sister Claire to ask her what she had learned from God, and she told him that she and all her companions had received from God the same answer as the Lord had given to Brother Sylvester. Then Brother Maceo hastened to St. Francis to bring him these answers, and St. Francis received him with great charity, washing his feet and serving him at dinner. When the repast was over, he called Brother Maceo into the forest, and kneeling down before him, took off his hood and crossing his arms on his breast, and he said to him, What answer dost thou bring me? 
What has the Lord Jesus Christ ordered me to do? And Brother Maceo answered, The Lord Jesus Christ has revealed both to Brother Sylvester and to Sister Claire that it is his will thou should go about the world to preach. For thou hast not been called for thyself alone, but for the salvation of others. St. Francis, having received this answer, and knowing it to be the will of the Lord Jesus Christ, arose with fervor, saying, Let us go in the name of God, and taking with him Brother Maceo and Brother Angelo, both holy men, he let himself be guided by the Holy Spirit, without considering the road he took. They soon arrived at a town called Savignano, where St. Francis began to preach, ordering first that the swallows, who were singing, to keep silence until he had finished, and the swallows obeyed his voice. He preached with such fervor that the inhabitants of the town wished to follow him out of devotion, but St. Francis would not allow them, saying, Do not be in such haste. You need not leave your homes. I will tell you what you must do to save your souls. Whereupon he founded the third order for the salvation of all, and leaving them much consoled and well disposed to do penance, he went from there and reached the spot between Canaggio and Bivagno, and as he was going on, the great fervor, he lifted up his eyes and saw on some trees by the wayside a great multitude of birds. St. Francis was much surprised, and said to his companions, Wait for me here, by the way, whilst I go and preach to my little sisters the birds. And he entered into the field, and began to preach to the birds which were on the ground. All of a sudden, those which were on the trees came round him, and all listened while St. Francis preached to them, and did not fly away, until he had given them his blessing. And Brother Maceo related afterwards to Brother James of Massa how St. Francis went among them, and even touched them with his garments, and how none of them moved. The substance of his sermon was this, my little sisters, the birds, you owe much to God, your Creator, and ought to sing His praise at all times and in all places, because He has given you liberty and the air to fly about in. And though you neither spin nor sew, He has given you twofold and threefold clothing for yourselves and your offsprings. And He sent two of your species into the ark with Noah, that you might not be lost to the world besides which he feeds you, though you neither sow nor reap. He has given you fountains and rivers to quench your thirst, and mountains and valleys in which to take refuge, and trees in which to build your nests, so that your Creator loves you much, and having thus favored you with much bounties. Beware, my little sisters, of the sin of ingratitude, and study always to praise the Lord, as he said these words, all the birds began to open their beaks, to screech, to stretch their necks, to flap their wings and bow their heads to the ground, and by their motions and by their songs endeavor to manifest their joy to St. Francis, and the saint rejoiced with them. He wondered to see such a multitude of birds, and was charmed with their beautiful variety, with their attention and familiarity for all which he devoutly returned thanks to God. 
Having finished his sermon, St. Francis made the sign of the cross and allowed them to fly away. And then all those birds rose up in the air, singing most sweetly, and following the sign of the cross, which St. Francis had made, they divided themselves into four companies. One company flew towards the east, the other towards the west, towards the south, and towards the north, and each company went away singing most wonderfully, signifying whereby that, as St. Francis, the bearer of the cross of Christ, had preached to them, and had made them the sign of the cross, after which they had divided among themselves the four parts of the world. So the preaching of the cross of Christ, renewed by St. Francis, would be carried by him and by his brothers all over the world, and that the humble monks, like the little birds, should possess nothing in this world, but cast all the cares of their lives on the providence of God. Chapter 17 How a little child, who had entered the order, saw St. Francis in prayer one night, and saw the Saviour, the Virgin Mary, and many other saints talk to him. A pure and innocent child was received into the order during the lifetime of St. Francis, and the convent in which he lived was so small that the monks were obliged to sleep on camp beds. St. Francis came one day to the convent. In the evening, after Compline, he went to bed, so as to rise up early to pray, as was his custom. When all the other monks were asleep, the little child came up, made up his mind to carefully watch St. Francis so as to know something of his ways and find out more especially what he did in the night when he got up, and in order that he might not be overtaken by sleep, he lay down by St. Francis and tied the end of the cord he wore round his waist to the one which the saint wore, so that he was sure to be awake when the latter got up in the night. He did it so gently that St. Francis was not aware of his contrivance. When all the other monks were fast asleep, St. Francis rose from his bed, and finding what the child had done, he carefully untied the knot so as not to awaken him, and went alone into the woods which was near the convent. Entering into a little cell which was there, he began to pray. Shortly after the child awoke, and found St. Francis gone, and that he had untied his cord, he got up quickly, and went to seek him. Finding the door open, which led to the wood, he thought St. Francis had gone that way, and entering into the wood, and hurrying on to the little cell, he heard the noise of many voices. Approaching near to hear, and see whence they came, he saw a great and wonderful light all round the saint, and in the light was... Jesus Christ, the Virgin Mary, St. John the Baptist, St. John the Evangelist, with a great multitude of angels, who were all talking with St. Francis. The child, on seeing this, fell to the ground, as if he had been dead. And when the miracle of the Holy Vision was ended, St. Francis rose to return to the convent, and stumbling on the way against the child, he appeared to be dead. With great compassion, he took him up in his arms and carried him, in his bosom, as the good shepherd carries his lamb. Having learnt from him how he had seen the vision, he ordered him to tell no man as long as he, St. Francis, lived. 
The little child grew up in the grace of God and had a great devotion to St. Francis. He became one of the most distinguished men of the order, and after the death of St. Francis, he related the vision to the other monks. Chapter 18 On the wonderful chapter held by St. Francis of Santa Maria degli Angeli, at which more than 5,000 monks were present. The faithful servant of Christ, St. Francis, once held a general chapter at Santa Maria degli Angeli, at which chapter more than 5,000 monks were present. Among them was St. Dominic, the head, the founder of the order's preacher, Friars, who, happening to be on his way from Bologna to Rome, having heard of the chapter which St. Francis had called together in the plain of Santa Maria degli Angeli, he went there with seven friars of his order, a cardinal much be much devoted to St. Francis, and to whom the saint had foretold he would one day be Pope, came expressly from Perugia to Assisi. Every day, as he went to visit St. Francis and his monks, sometimes he sang Mass and preached to them, and at each time he said, Cardinal visited the Holy College, he expressed much pleasure and much devotion. Seeing the monks all seated in the plain, round Santa Maria degli Angeli, in groups here of forty and there of a hundred, and elsewhere of eighty, all occupied in conversing about God, or in prayer, or in works of charity. Seeing them all so silent and so grave, and wondering how much a, how such a multitude could be so orderly, he was moved to tears and exclaimed with great devotion, Truly this is the field of God, this is the army, and these are the knights of the Lord. Not one vain or useless word was being heard in all that multitude. Each group of monks was engaged, either in prayer or saying their office, in weeping over their sins, or of the sins of their benefactors, or in reasoning on the salvation of souls. Many tents made of mats had been pitched in the field, dividing in groups according to the different provinces from which the monks came, and that chapter was called the chapter of mats. The monks had no other beds but the bare ground for here and there a little straw for their pillows, and had stones of pieces of wood. For all this they were held in much devotion, and so great was the fame of their sanctity that many came to see and hear them from the court of the Pope, which was at Perugia, and from other parts of the valley of Spoleto, many counts, many barons, many knights, and other gentlemen, many cardinals and bishops and abbots, many priests and much people, came to see these great and holy humble congregation, for the world had never yet witnessed so many holy men assembled together, and most especially they went to see the saintly founder and father of the order who had taken from the world so many gifted men, and had formed such beautiful and devout flocks to follow the steps of the true pastor Jesus Christ. The chapter being assembled, St. Francis, the father of all, whose holy, of all these holy men, expounded with great fervor of spirit the word of God, and spoke to them in a loud voice, that which the Holy Spirit dictated. The subject he took for his sermon was this, my children, we have promised great things to God, 
and God has promised even greater things to us. If we observe what we have promised to him, we shall certainly receive what he has promised to us. The pleasures of this world pass quickly away, but the punishment which follows them is eternal. The sufferings of this world are trifling, but the glory of the next is without bounds. And preaching on these words most devoutly, he comforted the monks, encouraged them in holy obedience, to reverence towards the Holy Mother Church, to charity among themselves, to prayer, God, for all people, to bear with patience the adversities of life, and to be temperate in prosperity, to keep angelic purity and chastity, to be at peace with God, with men, and with their own conscience, to love, to observe, and to practice holy poverty. He then added, I command you all here present, through holy obedience, to take no thought what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, or of aught else that is necessary to the body, but only to meditate, to pray, and to praise God, casting on him the thoughts of all the rest for he has you all in his especial care, and let each of you receive his command with a happy heart and a joyful countenance. And St. Francis, having finished his sermon, all the monks began to pray. St. Dominic, who was present, wondered much at this order of St. Francis, considering it as indiscreet, for he could not understand how such a great multitude could exist without taking any thought for the body the heavenly pastor our blessed saviour wishing to show what care he takes of his lambs and with what singular love he loves his poor servants put into the hearts of all the people of perugia of spalletto of valigno and of spello and of assisi and of all the neighbouring countries to take meat and drink to the holy congregation and presently men came from all these places with horses and asses and carts laden with bread and wine, and with beans and cheese and other good things of which the poor Christ had need. Besides all these, they brought napkins and knives and jugs and glasses, and all that was needed for such a multitude, and those who came carrying most and served the best greatly rejoiced, and the knights and the barons and other noblemen who were present waited on the brothers with great devotion and humility. St. Dominic, seeing this and knowing for a certainty that it was the divine providence of God which had provided for them thus, acknowledged most humbly that he had unjustly accused St. Francis of having given indiscreet orders, and going to him he humbly knelt before him and confessed his fault, adding, the Lord truly hath especial care of these holy servants of poverty. I know it not till now, and henceforth I promise to observe holy evangelical poverty, and I condemn in the name of God all the friars of my order who shall seek to have possessions of their own. And St. Dominic was greatly edified by the faith of the most holy Francis, by the obedience and poverty of such large and well-ordered chapters, and blessed the providence of God, who had given them every grace in such obedience. In that same chapter it was revealed to St. Francis that many brothers wore on their flesh small hearts and bands of iron, for which reason many were ill and hindered in their prayers. And St. Francis, like a discreet father, ordered all these 
who wore such things, to take them off and place them before him. And more than five hundred little hearts and bands of iron were placed before him, some destined to be worn round the arms and others round the waist, and all put together formed a large heap, which St. Francis ordered to be left in that field. The chapter being ended, he encouraged them all in well-doing, and warning them how to avoid sin in this wicked world, sent them back to their respective homes, with his blessing and that of God, and of full spiritual joy and consolation. Chapter 19 How the Vine of the Priest of Rieti, in whose house St. Francis entered to pray, was, tra was trampled underfoot by the great numbers who came to see him, and how it produced a greater quantity of wine than usual, and St. Francis had promised, and how the Lord revealed to the saint that heaven would be his portion when he left this world. St. Francis at one time, being grievously tormented with the disease of his eyes, the Cardinal Ugolino, the protector of his order, who loved him dearly, wrote to him to come to Rieti, where there were some excellent oculus. St. Francis, having received the cardinal's letter, set off first to San Damiano, where Sister Claire, the devout spouse of Christ, was to give her, her some spiritual consolation, intending afterwards to go on to the cardinal. On arriving at San Damiano the following night, his eyes grew so much worse that he could see that he could not see the light, and was obliged to give up going on further. St. Clair made him a little cell of reeds, in order that he might repose better, but St. Francis, owing partly to the pain he suffered, and partly to the multitude of rats, which much annoyed him, could not rest either day or night. After suffering for several days his pain and tribulation, he began to think that it was sent to him by God as a punishment for his sins, and he thanking the Lord in his heart with his lips, crying out with a loud voice, My God, I am worthy of this, and even worse, my Lord Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, thou hast shown thy mercy to us poor sinners in various bodily pains and suffering. It pleaseth thee to send us. Grant to me thy little lamb, that no pain, however great, no infirmity, and no anguish shall ever separate me from thee. Having made this prayer, a voice came from heaven which said, Francis, if all the earth were of gold, if all the seas and all the fountains and all the rivers were of balm, if all the mountains, all the hills, and all the rocks were made of precious stones, and if thou couldst find a treasure as much more precious again as gold, is more precious than earth, and balm than water, and gems than mountains and rocks, if that precious treasure were offered to thee in the place of thy infirmity, wouldst thou not rejoice and be content? St. Francis answered, Lord, I am unworthy of such a treasure. And the voice of God said again, Rejoice with all thy heart, Francis, for that treasure is life eternal, which I have in keeping for thee, and even now promised to thee, and this thy infirmity and affliction is a pledge of that blessed treasure. And St. Francis was filled with joy at such a glorious promise. Then calling his companions, he said to them, Let us go to the cardinal. He humbly took leave of Sister Clare, 
having comforted her with holy words, and took the road to Rieti. When he approached the town, such a multitude came out to meet him, that he would not go into the city, but went to a church which he was about two miles off. And the people hearing he was gone, went hither to see him, so that the vine which surrounded the church was greatly injured, and all the grapes were gathered, at which the priest, to whom it belonged, was very grieved in his heart, and repented of having received St. Francis in his church. The thoughts of the priest having been revealed to the saint, he called him to him and said, Dear father, tell me, how many measures of wine does this vine produce when the year is a fertile one? He answered, Twelve measures. St. Francis added, I pray thee, father, have patience and put up with my presence here a few days longer, as I find great rest in this church, and for the love of God and of me and his poor servant, let the people gather the grapes off thy vine, and I promise thee, in the name of my Saviour Jesus Christ, that it shall produce every year twenty measures of wine. And St. Francis remained there for the benefit of the souls of all those who went to see him, for many went away filled with divine love, and gave up the world. The priest had faith in the promise of St. Francis, and left the vineyard open to all those who came to see him, and wonder. The vine was entirely ruined, so that there scarcely remained here and there a few small branches of grapes. But the time of the vintage having arrived, the priest gathered the few bunches which were left, and put them in the wine-press, and according to the promise of St. Francis, these few little bunches did not fail to produce twenty measures of excellent wine. This miracle teaches us that, as in consequence of the merits of St. Francis, the vine, though despoiled of its grapes, produced an abundance of grapes. So in the same way many Christians, whose sins had made them barren of virtue, through the saints' preaching and example, often came to abound in the good fruit of repentance.